Today's message is entitled Acquisition Strategy. Say that with me this morning, Acquisition Strategy. It's being Deuteronomy 9 verses 1 through 5. I want to talk about the strategy of acquisitions. One of the fastest ways to grow a business is by acquisition. I was part of, some years ago, um, a 13 high-stake acquisitions. Uh, We made 13 high-stake acquisitions in less than two years. I took a $2 million revenue. I was part of a team that took a $2 million revenue to over $40 million in revenue uh, in less than two years. It is not nearly likely to grow to that level of revenue by building your own client base. So in other words, if you were just doing it by, you know, spread the word or whatever, you would never be able to go from 2 million to 40 million. It's not likely that you would go to that high a volume in less than two years. It would have taken a miracle for that to happen. So what I want to intimate to you today is that God builds his kingdom by acquisitions, by taking over things. Listen carefully. That your life, your life, God wants to advance it using acquisitions. The power of taking over something that already exists. So let me define acquisition for you, for some of you who may not know. An acquisition is an asset or an object that is bought or obtained, purchased of one company by another. So in other words, uh, you've heard of mergers and acquisitions. So businesses participate in mergers and acquisitions. Mergers uh, look like what this... um, the picture on the screen is an apple merging with an orange or an acquisition is taking over a company completely and still merging those assets or resources into the current business that you have. So it really is a takeover. And so God operates the kingdom of God by takeovers that the fastest way, listen, I want you to understand that God God's goal of his kingdom is to save as many in the world who are lost. So if a fast way to do it in business uh, is to take over other businesses or other entities, then he could use the same model. Well, they used his model because we're going to see in scripture that God did take over many things to move his people along and to keep his agenda progressing. Now, rarely did you see God merging with people. I mean, you don't merge with wicked. You know, you don't you don't blend with that which is wicked. So God had to, in many cases, just take it over and say, "I'm bringing in everything new." So you can acquire things, you can acquire companies, and we've learned painfully that you can even acquire people, and we saw that through slavery that people took over a people, a group of people, and used them for their own gain. But when you acquire things, now listen to this carefully, when you acquire things with people, or when you acquire companies with people, or entities with people, you have to do so in a godly manner. So you can't just take over things and just disregard the people in it. So when God makes his acquisitions, he makes his acquisitions understanding that there are people involved and there is a strategy that has to be performed in order to protect the people that are involved. So acquisitions impact the people we are acquiring. There are delicacies and many nuances of acquisitions. People, you know, 
the customer base. We've, we've got we've to figure out what to do with the people. If we take over a company, what are we going to do with the people? What are we going to do with their customer base? How to communicate to customers, new ownership. How do we get the message out to the customers that there's a new manager in town or a new owner? Transition time you have to allow for. How does it impact the business? Who to keep and who to let go? All of those scenarios come into play. And what we have to do is really try to understand how are we best going to assimilate this company into something that God has called us to do or use. Now, what's interesting, the point in today's text is to remind us that when God gives us another acquisition, listen, it is not because of our righteousness, but because of other people's wickedness. Let me pause there. It is not that God blesses us with these acquisitions because we've been so good. It is because the people he has acquired it from have been so bad. Now listen to this. I want you to understand how do we advance in revenue? When I talk about taking a company from 2 million to 40 million, let's say you start your company and you've got, you know, 100 customers. All right, well, it would take you another year to get another 200, 300 customers. But let's say you found a company that's doing something similar to what you're doing and they have 5,000 customers already. So you could take your company from 100 customers to 5,100 customers simply by purchasing or acquiring that company. So what I'm trying to say is God can take your small beginnings and not have to make you work so hard to grow it by simply acquiring a whole nother company that happens to be your competition or is doing the very thing that you are aspiring to do. But I spun off to this to say, he doesn't do that for you because you've been so good. He does it because the other company has not been righteous enough with what God has given them. Ah, So watch this now. Our success can in many ways be viewed based on, listen, the wickedness that is still in the world. Ah, God, watch this now. So while I complain or see the detriment or the wickedness in the world, yes, it's bad, but at the same time, there's a little bit of excitement on my part because where there is wickedness, there is the propensity of a takeover. Ah, God, stick with me. Come on, PC is going to hook this up. So the goal is to get everyone saved, right? God wants everyone saved. And what's the quickest way to do it? Acquisition. But until God will reward according to his will, he has to judge, you know, or he has to try and move his kingdom along by grace by the gospel, by volunteers, by the family business, by people like you and me who have committed their lives to spreading that gospel. So if we're going to serve God as a franchise in the earth, we have to be open, listen, to acquisitions. Acquisitions from those who are wicked. How do I know that? Because you don't have to look it up, turn there now, but Proverbs 13.22, and you've heard this before, says, listen, good men's inheritance goes to his kids, but the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So God says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, but we are only righteous when we are in Christ. The text says, watch this now, the text says, Good folks, good people's, good people's inheritance goes to their kids. So if you're doing what you're supposed to do with what God has given you, your inheritance and legacy is going to your kids. But if you're not doing what God has called you to do and you're squandering his goods, 
God says, the Bible said it, Proverbs 13, 22, the wealth that the wicked attain, God says, I will give it to people who are willing to be just and serve me. So listen to this before we get right into our text. There has to be, listen, before there's an acquisition, there has to be something to offer or to add to your current state before you take on something. Listen to me carefully. If God advances his kingdom by acquisitions, if he acquires something, there must be something to offer or to add to your current state. God is not acquiring anything that does not enhance where you are. Oh, I'm preaching already. In other words, God is only going to acquire something that's going to make your business better. So God, in his unique wisdom, looks out over the earth, over the world, and decides what will best fit into your life. (laughs) And he says, I wonder if I should acquire this for little Cherry. I wonder if that would help him do what I've called, God dog it. I'm telling you, there are people out there who are not using what God has given them the way they should. And God says, I will give you what they messed over to bless you. Remember when he gave gave the three people the different talents, one, 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 two, and one, four. The other two went out and so uh, multiplied theirs, but the one hid his. And God said, God said, take from him what I gave him and give it to somebody else. Because you didn't do anything with what I gave you, take it from him and give it to some. I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. I'm telling you the world is full of people who are not using what God has given them and it is available to those who are willing to be franchise players. (laughs) I feel like I'm preaching already. Come on, let me read you the scripture because you don't believe me. I feel like I'm just giving you the text. Let's read the scripture real quick. The scripture is Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 5, and it says, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand, therefore, this day that the Lord your God is he which goes over before you as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them and he shall bring them down before your face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. Speak not thou in thine heart After that, the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land, But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that a powerful text? Isn't that a powerful scripture there? I believe it's amazing. Let me share with you these four phases to acquisitions. I want you to see these four phases to acquisitions. It's a part of how you can know maybe what stage or phase you're in. Now, this is general. There are different phases. You can make them more detailed or more granular, but these are four general phases that I, I, I come up with or, or uh, some, some believe to be uh, the four phases of acquisitions. So let me give these to you. Check them out. Number one. There is the due diligence phase. That means 
God, first of all, takes a look out in the world, makes an intense analysis about is a company good to take over? Is a person good for you? Is that relation good for you? So God looks in their lives, says, are there any liens on the business? The acquisition has to see financial records. Are they in debt? Are they in over their head? You don't want to buy a company that's bankrupt. You don't, you want to look at their property value. You want to look at, is their property value? Should it bring value to you? After you've done an intense due diligence, then you decide if you decide you want to buy it, then you make an agreement. You draw up an agreement, which discusses cost. So God then looks at your life and says, what will this, let's agree. Let me agree with little cherry and let me, let me make an agreement with my people and say, this is going to cost this. There's going to be some change management involved. You're going to have to adjust. You make an agreement. What are we going to do with the personnel? So the agreement analyzes or states all the details involved. What are we going to do with inventory? Are we going to keep the building? Are we destroying the computers? Are we keeping the staff? There's an agreement that's made. Thirdly, then there's, once you make the agreement, everybody signs off. We're going to do the deal. There's integration. Integration is making it fit into what you already have. So God then, listen, the agreement comes before integration. Listen to what I'm saying, y'all, because some of y'all make integration while you're making the agreement. And then you realize you don't want to agree with what you've integrated with. And you are too late. I'm telling you, make the agreement first. Understand what you're buying. Understand who you're dating. Understand the job you're taking before you integrate. Oh, that's good preaching right there. This is how you make it fit or bring things together. Agreement before integration. You ought to say that. Agreement before integration. The fourth one and last one is value evaluation or value attainment. In other words, you have to be able to look at, analyze, how is this acquisition going to bring value to me? Oh, this is good. You ought to look at what you brought into your life and say, how does this bring value to me? Has will that will acquiring this person or this business save you money or will it bring you greater value? If the company you acquire, if the people you start relating to take your value down, you should not be integrating with the Oh man, this is juicy. This is better than I prepared it. This is coming out a different way. Listen, in other words, your value attainment should be that you should have greater efficiency. So by buying this company, you should become more efficient. By getting this company or hanging with this group of people or getting this job, you should have less overhead. It shouldn't cost you as much. It should, okay, you married somebody, but you still, you still paying for everything. Wait a second. You married a partner. He ought to be, she ought to be doing something. In other words, let's say you bought a building. You bought a company with a better building than yours. Well, trash the other one. Sell it, take the profit, use the new building. Are you understanding what I'm saying? These are the phases. So here's our first takeaway from this passage. This is our first takeaway. I want to show it to you. Check this out. Number one. God is always looking for our better. God is on the hunt for what's better for us. (laughs) I love it. This is juicy. Listen, God is always on the hunt, y'all, looking for something that's going to make us better. Oh, yeah, I love it, Jesus. In other words, God is always previewing the land looking at businesses, jobs, relationships. Haven't you ever gotten a notice that you weren't expecting or somebody refers you to somebody or somebody shares something with you that you weren't looking for? God is always looking for better and he wants you to know that it's out there for you. So we should be, ooh, this is good, Terry. So we should be expecting a move into our promised land. Come on, y'all. If you sit at home feeling incomplete and unfulfilled. You have not reached your promised land. There is no such thing as being in the promised land and you feel incomplete 
and unfulfilled. The promised land is the land of milk and honey. Milk and honey, y'all, not milk and cookies. It's milk and honey, okay? It's the land. <laughs> it's the land of milk and honey. It's the place where blessings flow. In other words, it's not always everything that you want, but you're content in that house. You're content in that job. You're content in that place. You're content in that relationship. You're satisfied. It's not perfect, but it's got everything you need. I love it. And that promise, listen to me, that promise could come by acquisition. What am I saying? I'm saying that when God God looks out in the land and he finds something better for you in his mindset. He says, well, we're not, we're going to fast track this. We're going to take it. We're going to take it by storm. I want you to understand that God is in the business of taking stuff. Listen, you think, well, that's not fair. No, it's not unfair if they're not doing what they should, what they should be doing with it that God gave it to them for, or if they're living a wicked and perverse and evil life. Do you want somebody to keep using powerful resources and money to destroy good communities, good families and homes? No. So sometimes God will step in and will bring down the high and the mighty and the wealthy who are using their power, ah, God, to manipulate and destroy other people. So what I'm trying to tell you is there is something out there that God is looking for you for, and you ought to have some anticipation for it. Let me explain this to you. Look at the text. The text says, hear, O Israel, come on, Jesus, hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations, how, what, greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great, not only nations, but a people that's great, great nations, great people, tall people, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest and of whom you have heard them say, who can stand before the children of Anak. So in this case, we're saying, God is saying, listen to what the text says. The text says, there is a people, there is a nation out there, there is a nation out there that you are to pass over Jordan this day and to go in to possess it. God has acquired it. Listen, you are to possess it. Ah, God. God says, pass over your Jordan. In other words, the Jordan represents whatsoever you got to get over your attitude, your personal disability, your emotional insecurity, your jealousy, your stank attitude, your horrible personality, your negative vibe, your sinful behaviors and contours. You have to get over your Jordan to be able to go in and possess what God, listen to me. The Bible says, possess nations that are greater and mightier than you. In other words, aspire towards that which is better. If you don't see yourself in your promised land, then you ought to be looking for something better. You ought to be looking like Popeye on the boat on the horizon. Is there anything better that God has out there for me? Now, some of you say, well, you know, I need what I need right now. I need is a husband. What I need is a husband. Husband, I need a husband, a wife. You need a listen. I'm telling you, the Bible says it also said there are great people. There are people you can God. He's saying that there are good people in the acquisition. Oh, when we used to buy companies, we used to look for people and companies with strong staff, strong resources, strong people, um, not a lot of turnover. People who've been with the company for five, six, seven years. You want to keep those people. They show loyalty and longevity. I'm telling you, God says there are great people out there that he wants you to hook up with. So in other words, he wants you to find people who are better than you. Oh, we, do you get it? He's saying to you, there are people out there in the world who are better than you. In other words, who have what you need. Uh Uh-oh, watch this. Who can add value to your life. Stop picking people that don't add value. You can't rescue everybody. You're on a mission to accomplish things in life. So there are great people 
and there are great nations. And so God is always looking for our better. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's go to number two. If God is always looking for our better, number two, then God will dispossess whatever he wants us to possess. Oh, I like that juicy. God will dispossess whatever he wants us to possess. So listen to this now. God isn't, listen, 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 Sharitha. God is not creating new worlds. He is not, everything he created is here. Well, listen to what I'm saying. He's not creating, listen, if he's going to acquire, he's not creating things for you to take on. Everything that he's going to give you already exists. Listen to what I'm saying. God is not creating new worlds. He's not creating new people. He's not creating new jobs. He's not creating new businesses for you. He is looking at businesses and people that already exist. God, what I'm saying is your blessing is already operating. You, what The thing you need, the, the thing, the promised land, the satisfaction and fulfillment that you desire, it's out there, right? Look at your watch right now, 10.36.37 a.m. Pacific time. Your blessing is out there right now. God says, I will acquire it for those who are willing to serve me. So watch this now. He what he's doing is instead of he is not he is not creating something new. So watch what he does. Here's what he does. Instead of creating something new, he transfers. Uh, somebody say transfer. He's transferring the wealth from amongst those who live ungodly and giving it to those who do. So God is the great evictor. He will go serve the notice, make the eviction, and then be the deal closer. So let me explain this to you. Let me show you this. Let's look at the scripture. The scripture says, understand therefore this day that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. So he goes before you. Verse part, uh, second part of verse three. And he shall bring them down before your face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto you. Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to understand. There are times when I had to fly out to the company that we just bought. And I had to meet with people. I had to purvey, look at the situation. Or I had to go and do the dirty work. Tell people we won't be keeping you. There are times, listen, in other words, there's someone who goes before, before the integration and brings it down. In other words, you've got to, somebody's got to be the hatchet man or woman to go in and tell people, This is shutting down. What God is saying is, he said, he will go before you. He said, he will go before you like a consuming fire. He will destroy them. He will bring them down before your face. He will drive them out. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly. In other words, so God says, God says, I will bring down the house. I just need you to possess it. God says, I'm going to go over there, close the deal, tell them it's not working. Somebody has to give it up. God has gone to transfer the ownership. He goes and signs the paperwork. Watch this. So that when you go in to possess the land, you're not arguing about, well, the Lord said this and well, I heard that this. No, 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 no. You have a document. You know that God has already brought it down. There is nothing that takes, listen, when, when we bought a company, we would go in and I would, they would, they would, they have already see, received emails, memos. I'm the new boss. When I walk in and, Hey, good morning, Mr. Smith. Good morning. So-and-so ain't no haggling about, well, who says you my boss? Who says you? No, the deal is already, God is saying, I will go before you and I will bring it down. God will serve them the three day notice to pay rent or quit. We are to be packing our bags and waiting for God to tell us to possess it. 
All we need to do is position our lives to start looking for something better. We need to start packing our bags with anticipation and expectation that God has something better for us. And it is not for us to haggle. It is not for us to hustle. You can leave all that ghetto stuff at home. God didn't ask you to come in and get, I don't need to, listen, I don't need to be shady. I don't need to be shifty or left or right-handed. I just need to go in with what I know to be true. And the truth is, I bought your company. This company belongs to me. I own it. This is what you need to do. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So we still may have to fight to get it, but God says he has given us the assurance that they can fight, but they aren't going to win. So just because you have to fight a little bit to get into the land, it doesn't mean that the fight means that you don't take the land. The fight just means that God has already given you the victory. Oh my God. The fight means God says, fight on man or woman of God. I've given you the assurance that this has already came down, come down. God says, listen, if I put it before you, if I gave you the opportunity, if I told you to cross the Jordan and to go in and possess it, don't be scared. Come on, somebody. Don't be scared to go in and take the land that God has given given you. Don't be scared to take the land that God has given you. One more time. Don't be scared to take the land that God has already given you. God goes before you to accomplish it. The work is done by God and he does it how? As a consuming fire to burn anything that's contrary to his will out of the way. So I want you to understand, he goes in as a consuming fire because sin cannot stand against the fire of God. If you read 1 Corinthians uh, 3, it talks about how you build a foundation on Christ and some built with um, uh, materials that were would burn and, and metals that that won't burn, but they would have to stand the scolding gaze of God's fiery eyes. So Christ with his fiery eyes just looks on sin. And if it's righteousness, it will stand. If it's wickedness, it will burn to the ground. So God, listen, God, listen. Oh, this is powerful. This ain't even in my notes. Jesus says, I will look out over the land looking for something to acquire. And if it stands the gaze of my fiery eyes, eyes, then I cannot acquire it because they are doing what I asked them to do. But for everything that God puts his eyes on and it crumbles and burns, it means that there is sin there and it is not covered by the blood. And God says, this is an opponent that I can acquire and give to somebody who's willing to serve me. Are you tracking with me? Let me go to my final point. Ah, we're going to get out early today. Look at here. Let me give you this one. Number three, God gives gets all the credit, not us. God gets all the credit, not us. Listen to me. There's one thing I learned about handling multiple acquisitions. No one person could ever take the credit. There were so many moving parts to it that it had to be a team effort. I'm sick of y'all Christians walking out there thinking that you living by yourself and you doing everything. But don't you know you got angels around you? If you saved, God is watching over you. Stuff you thought you got away with, you got away with it because God winked at it. You didn't, it ain't that he you, you didn't he didn't see it. He gave you mercy. He gave you grace. You think out there you did you oh you doing this you big and bad. I'm telling you to get where you are today. It has taken a team. It has taken a village, and the village is not your own people. It is the kingdom of God. It are the angels in heaven. It's the spirit of the living God. It's God the Father. It's Jesus the Son. It's the word of the living God. All of these resources are operating on your behalf. The truth still applies here to God. He is the only one who can handle all of the complexities of your life to add something to your life. Ah, oh, God. Even in Matthew 6, he says, who can add one cuber, uh, one, one 
cube of stature to your to your life. Only God has the value to add to your life. But he doesn't add it simply because you are good or you're such a much or you obey every Bible Sunday school verse. He does it understanding that there are multiple complexities to your life. He understand he knows how to add to your life even though you were raped by your cousin or your uncle. He knows the complexities. He knows that you were fatherless. He knows that you grew up in foster homes. He knows that you've been homeless and he needs to add to your life understanding those complications. He knows that you've been abused. He knows that he can't partner you in a relationship with a person who doesn't understand the sensitivity of touching your body because you were abused for multiple years by multiple partners. I'm telling you, there are complexities to your life that God says, I already have previewed it. I've done my due diligence. I understand the pain and the background, the rigorous things that you've experienced and I have acquired this company or whatever it is God is adding to your life he has acquired it to fit you the complexities of life come because God is using all of his resources in heaven. I'm telling you, next time you walk in a job interview, you don't walk in just thinking you're going to get this job because you studied the company or because of your resume. You're getting this job because promotion comes not from the east or the west or the north or the south, but God raises up and God brings down. Read your Bible. It's in there. Whatever you think you gained in your life wasn't because of you. It was because of God. And guess what? Only he gets the credit. And that's why we are here to worship the true and the living God and to understand the acquisition strategy because you might be thinking that you have a choice today. That you have the right to say, oh, well, maybe I get online. I jump off early. I, let me tell you something. God is orchestrating and manipulating your life in the midst of your free will, in the midst of your stupid choices, he's still moving stuff around to make it work. How do I know? Because what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. How do I know Romans 8, that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love the Lord and are called. So don't, don't preach to me. Don't talk back to me about you, you, you doing it. Your God is at work in your life trying to make it happen. Let me explain it to you in our final section. Verse number five says this. It says not for your righteousness. Come on and read this. Get this right in your spirit. It is not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart. Dost thou go to possess their land? This is not because you're righteous, but for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God hath uh, doth drive them out from before you and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he says, I'm doing this not because you're good and I'm doing it because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. I'm telling you, you are going to experience value to your life, not because of you, but because of your mother, because of your grandpappy, because of your great, great, great auntie, that somewhere previous down the line, God made a promise to somebody in your bloodline. And he says, I know they're going to act stupid, but I made a promise to, to Auntie Ray Ray. I made a promise to Uncle Jimbo. I made a promise that I have to fulfill and honor. And some of us are walking around in blessings. We're walking around in families. We're living in houses and driving cars. We're having healthy bodies because of a promise made 20 decades ago. Oh God, who? I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is on our lives and many of us might be quick to take the credit for the good in our lives. How 
how dare you come to church and act like you can raise your hand. Maybe, maybe not. I don't feel like it. I'm telling you, when you take a look at your life and all the things you don't need, you ought to praise him for the accidents you don't know about. That God was keeping you. He put the red light on so you wouldn't be down there on Figueroa and crash on that corner. God is watching over us even when we aren't watching ourselves. God didn't do it for us. What he did because of our righteousness, he did it because of others' wickedness. It is accomplished not because of our good, but because of someone else's bad. So guess what? There is no room for vanity. You walk around thinking you all the stuff that you are such and much and you this and that. I'm telling you, there is no room for vanity. What God did for you is not because of you. It is because of somebody's poor judgment. And for the sake of his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, it, is, it isn't even that he's doing it for us. Listen to this. this. This blew my mind. He's doing it because wickedness requires judgment. In other words, he has to do something with the wickedness in the world. Look, this is so ridiculous. In other words, he's not going out there looking for the acquisitions because, oh, I just want to bless you. He's looking for the wickedness out there because he has to cast judgment on it. He has to do something with the wickedness in the world. But the love that he has for his children in the family business says, he says, if they got to give it up, then why not give it to my children? Woo! Come on, Jesus. He says, listen, if I got to take it from the wicked, I may as well give it to somebody who might do what I I want them to do. He gives it to his own children. He gives it to people who are willing to say yes. Can you say yes today? Can you say yes, Lord, I will obey? Can you say like Isaiah and I, Isaiah 6 when he said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me, Lord. In fact, if you read the rest of this passage, if you read the rest of this chapter, it shows that God's people were rebellious. He called them stiff-necked and they deserved absolutely nothing. And I know some of us fit in that category. We are rebellious and we are stiff-necked, which means we have been stubborn. They complained in the wilderness. They argued about not having food. They argued about, did you bring us out of Egypt to be uh, 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 slaves in the wilderness? They built altars waiting when they were waiting for the Ten Commandments. They had orgies down on the ground, built golden calves. They did all this stuff and still God says, I will bless you with an acquisition. If you don't hear this today, I'm telling you, God is basically saying, I am making acquisitions doing good for people who do not deserve one ounce of it. But that's the kind of love he has for us in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your stiff neck, in spite of your stubbornness. I still have an option of an acquisition on your behalf. Why? Because somebody out there is being wicked. And why? Because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I promised to bless you. I promised if you got saved, I'd take care of you. I promised that no good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly. I promise you can do all things through Christ who strengthens. I promise God will provide your needs, all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I promise that you are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I promise you that if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I promise you to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower. I promise you. So in other words, don't you dare act like you are the one in the cause for the blessings in your life. You don't deserve it. Period. God says, I'm blessing you because I love you, because somebody is wicked, and because I made a promise to somebody before you. So whatever we possess has likely been pre-owned, Danielle. And the transfer occurs because someone didn't do what they were supposed to do with it. Or a promise has been made by God, and he's obligated to keep it. Wasn't it Vashti? If you read about Vashti and Esther, 
because Vashti didn't do what she was supposed to do with the king, Esther was able to come in and be the king's bride. I'm telling you what somebody else messes up. <laughs> God gives you a makeup. So others' failures can become our victories. Oh, I like it. Others' failures can become our victories. So be careful. Be careful. When you judge yourself next to other people. Now, don't get all suchy much and cocky thinking that, yeah, well, they took, they took it from them. Look here, you, yeah, but for the blood of Jesus over your life, but for his goodness on you, you would be in that category as well. Have you ever felt stripped? Have you ever felt like your life is draining? Even in the Bible, Haggai talks about the people of God in their disobedience was like putting money in pockets that had holes. Have you ever felt like the more you do, the less you have? Then this message is for you. And God is saying, we need to make some new acquisitions. But when I give this to you this time, please trust and believe do it my way, not your way. So here's my conclusion for you. As we seasonally just finished a season of harvest and we enter into fall, it is now our time to seek God for a new year of exciting and exhilarating possibilities. We have exhausted our summer. We have exhausted our harvest. We've plucked every plum, every strawberry, every peach, and pulled every cherry. Now it is time for us to go back to the desk, to do our due diligence, to go back to the beginning of the four phases and to allow God to work with us, to begin to say to us, What's new? Not what's good. What's new? What's new on the horizon for Pastor Cherry? What's new on the horizon for Breath for Change? What's new on the horizon for you? What companies out there, what people out there is God looking at for me? This is the time when retreats are planned and sabbaticals are taken. CEOs take retreats and sabbaticals towards the end of the year to prepare for the beginning of the new year. We do this so we can enter into the phase of preparation for the next acquisition. We don't want to be on top of the acquisition when it occurs. For many of us, at this stage in our lives, at this stage, Big Ben, at this stage, baby sister, Many of us, we don't have the luxury of starting anything from scratch. You hear me? We're too old to be starting anything from the ground up. So God says, that's okay. He says, if we do anything big, it will have to be through acquisition or partnering. So I'm telling you, take this last quarter. God is giving us this final thought these last three months to begin to prepare for what is yet ahead. You always talk about you want something big. You always talk about you want to do great things, but you don't want to prepare. God has sent you a word, a faithful message for three quarters already. And now we're winding it up in the conclusion and God is giving us final thoughts about how you can survive and be successful in the family business. We have preached three quarters faithfully about the family business. And now we must take this final quarter to start thinking, how will we implement what we have learned? Shauna, God is saying to us that he is scouting out new venues, new businesses, new people, new relationships for our glory. Somewhere in the world, something is falling apart. Oh, I'll say that again. Somewhere in the world, something 
is falling apart due to wickedness. And God is saying, I want you to have what they couldn't do right by. I talked last week about the understudy and how you study under people that even though they aren't perfect, they can still teach you things. And that even when they are doing the job in wickedness, you just hang on faithfully because when God begins to bring them down or transfer or promote them, guess who gets the position? We are too nasty. We are too gossipy. We are too negative and judgy against people who we think we can do the job better than. God is saying, be quiet. I'm setting it up. Woo, a good game of chess. Ain't nothing but a good setup. Ah, a good game of bid whiz. A good game of spit, space. Ain't nothing but a good setup. Ah, if you watch the board right, if you watch the domino, hallelujah. God says, this ain't nothing but a good setup. And you have to learn how to play without a poker face. And you have to know how to not smile when you, you know you're about to win the pot. And you've got to sit there and look stone-faced. God says you need to learn stability, quietness, firmness of thought, faithfulness, and loyalty in spite of objection and being overlooked and rejected. God says it's all a part of an acquisition. So many phases that you know nothing about. God says, wait on me. Be of good courage. The land is yours to possess. I've given it to you 2,000 years ago. It's already been settled. And you're arguing and twisting and turning in bed from stress and depression because you don't understand your life. It is not for you to understand. It is for you to remain faithful. And God will open doors at the time and the season because Ecclesiastes says to everything, there is a time and a purpose. And Galatians says, be not weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap. If you think not, their mistake becomes our miracle. So get ready for a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough ahead. If you have been faithful at sowing, you will reap another harvest. Yes. And listen to me. Listen to me, Danielle. Yes, God has been good. But guess what? He will be good again. Why? Because harvest comes every year. <laughs> Some of you are excited. Oh, thank God. Thank God for what he did 20 years ago. Why not thank God for a miracle this year? Why not thank God and expect something even more powerful, even greater, even more palpable for your life now? Because who you are now is not who you were then. Back then, you couldn't handle what God could give you now. So you're celebrating yesterday. But I wish I could teach you how to celebrate tomorrow. Harvest is coming again. But in order to reap, you must first plan for the next acquisition. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to my better, knowing that God will dispossess what he wants me to possess. He'll go kick them out. And he gets all the glory. I'll say that again. I'm looking for my better, and I'm looking forward knowing that God will dispossess what he wants me to possess. And I'm going to give him all the glory for whatever he places in my lap. This has been Acquisition Strategy. Start living like you're about to take something over. I'm PC. Pow. And that's all I've got.